currently recording. We're rolling. Oh, Colin, you should do the the welcome back to the Seattle Sucks podcast. I th- I thought we were just gonna wait in silence for him to do it and then rag oh. on him for forgetting. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually hoping I had got out of that somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Seattle Sucks, a podcast about hating the city we love. Colin, you remember? I did. Yay. I remember it. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. We're we're back with a a, a, recur, a, a guest, a recurring guest here. Colin, how are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm our, yes. our good <laughs> friend <Repeat> Colin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guest from the beginning. They just liked me so much. I stayed on until i had a baby but yeah i'm, I'm okay how are, how are you two do, doing we're doing good we should say though um uh later a little later in the episode we have a cool uh another cool guest uh an interview with uh alicia ramirez who's got a new column in the south seattle emerald this week uh titled spog head and the spd are waging an, an old propaganda war against protesters and the left to thwart accountability that is later in the episode it's very good um uh that's gonna be uh later though so stay tuned for that yeah yeah before any of our listeners can get anything good they have to first listen to us yeah yeah we have to, <laughs> yes it's they have to eat their, their vegetables sit, you must yeah. sit through us just shooting the shit aimlessly speaking uh, for a bit here yeah speaking of uh vegetables wildfire season guys how is uh how's that smoke over on the boat greg how's the barbecue going okay uh so uh, you may or may not know if you're not familiar with boating but for for various (laughs) reasons they're not really designed to seal up uh also i did buy because i have a box fan because i because of the project i was doing i was using it for ventilation and then using it just to keep the boat cool during the hot summer um in one of the hatches but uh i cleaned up all the fiberglass dust out of it and i got um i got some like 20 by 20 big you know uh good filters to like purify the air in the boat but it's like uh like i say it doesn't seal up you can't i come and go from it quite a bit um and it's the like score footage of the thing is not you know a lot so i i haven't taken the filters out of the box they're expensive and i'm just such a cheap ass that i've been like no nah, fuck it it's gonna go away i'm gonna return these filters i've just been wearing a mask in the boat <laughs> very normal sounds like a very Charming. comfortable way to live yeah i mean like i say i could uh i realized we have a little built-in fan on a um heater that's uh built under the settee that i could uh i ordered a a small filter that'll fit that that i can start filtering but the whole the whole the big 20 by 20 like hefty ones like i I gotta i'm gonna use it for a few days i'm gonna store it forever or like throw it away store it for next smoke season i mean don't worry though there will be fires later yeah yeah Yeah, i believe this will be an annual tradition (laughs) so I don't. Uh, I can't store things I use annually, uh, uh, monthly at the at the least. You know, 
Yeah. Well, how are things over where you're at, Colin, where you're normal and have like walls and a door and stuff? <laughs> did, the, did the smoke get to Magnolia or was the bridge too crowded that it couldn't pass? <laughs> well, first of all, Brian, thank you for saying that I'm normal. That's <laughs> that's a wonderful compliment these days. Uh, it's It's been pretty bad, honestly. We have... Luckily, we have one purifier that we got last uh, fire season, so I guess that was two years ago, and we've just been moving it all around our house, and uh, my infant daughter is has developed a cough and seems oh, to not be able to great. eat very well because the air is so chewy. Um, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's that's awesome, and we, we're indoors, of course. All our windows are closed. Um. Yeah, you know, just the normal stuff of waking up in the middle of the night with a burning throat and that kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, I guess as one that. does. But I really uh, enjoyed that sort of yellow cake pall that we had. Yeah, <laughs> I felt like I was in stalker. It yeah. rocked. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Hey, no filters on your Instagram pictures this week, but yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, <laughs> It was really wonderful. Yeah, I went for an especially apocalyptic picture, which I I wasn't even thinking about it when I did. I just wanted to get somewhere up high so you could get like a little distance to so you could see like how you know to where to where the smoke ended all visibility. <laughs> so I went to the, I went to the Northgate Mall and I went to the parking garage, uh, which was completely empty except for three guys running a like airsats car washing operation <laughs> like three floors up oh yeah very strange <laughs> and i went to the very top get that of the, paper exactly and i went to the very top of the parking garage and i took this photo of this bleak empty parking garage it looks like it's falling apart of this bleak empty mall that is falling apart and then yeah with the uh the nice like orange glow and everything like that i was like what a wonderful picture uh, but yeah, what what a, what a time to be alive, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's uh, it's fucking. I don't. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, what do you say when you just look out and uh, the world like is unbreathable? You know. Well, what I say is, I look at my new wife and I say, "Get your gun." The Antifa super soldiers are at it again. Let's form a roadblock, which is apparently what a lot of people in Oregon were saying this week. Oh, cool. And uh, I mean, just unbelievable, just uh, weird white vigilantes in the country setting up roadblocks to apparently demanding to inspect every car that went by, like to go through their car and shit to make sure they weren't uh, part of the Antifa legions that had caused the wildfires. <laughs> yeah. Did you see those signs, Brian? Those hand-painted signs that said, uh, like, you loot, we shoot. And no. Lo looters and arsonists will be shot. There's there's a few news stories about that. Oh, nice. Yeah, Brain got into it with, some, with a, her cousin on Facebook who lives in eastern Washington about this. And it was just so funny because they're like, no, we have proof. Here's this uh, YouTube video where you can't really even see like what's happening or anything like that. And Brent kept going like, okay, well then who started the like other 90 wildfires that are going currently on the West coast right now, or the ones last year, or the one that's burning through the Arctic right now, <laughs> like, <laughs> like this anti-five Arctic bases now, <laughs> like, you know, uh, what about the ones in Australia? Right. I mean, it's, it's know, the fortress I, of solidarity. 
Brian. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is one of these things of, I, I think we are getting to the point of the problems are so big and also so obvious that all you can do is retreat into fantasy, right? And yeah, form well, your Antifa should, roadblock. It <laughs> should foreclose in everyone's mind uh, once and for all the impossibility of, you know, reasoning, reasoning with, uh, yeah those people uh the the committed like Mm. right-wing chuds of this country uh on any issue because and i because i feel like obviously there's you know uh there's a lot of talk about climate change because of this and a lot of like dem politicians are out there um uh like joe biden included uh even talking about climate change and you know, this has been like the the story of the last twenty years of like um, talking about like showing like, look, can't you see to these people? Like, can't you see this is affecting your life? Like, mm-hmm. doesn't isn't it obvious the global warming, blah blah blah? And like, the thing is, it's not. Uh, these aren't really convincing evidence of anything. They, if you understand what's going on and you believe like the like conclusive evidence that does exist about the like skyrocketing level skyrocketing levels of co2 in the air and the like uh effect that's going to have then you know it's easy to see this as uh as part of that system uh, but it's not it's not the kind of it's not evidence for global warming it's not going to convince someone who's like out to lunch mm-hmm. on this shit it's not going to convince donald trump it's not going to convince mm-hmm. his followers well, I think, too, that the problem is so big and the solution to it is so anathema to their personal comfort and yeah. things like that and to the status quo that even if it is obvious to them, the sort of dissonance that it creates in their mind is going to force this retreat into fantasy, you know, um, well, it's, 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 it's the when prophecies fail thing, right? It's, you but know? it's like any other thing. I don't, I don't think it has to get there because... I don't think anyone's conf- any of those anyone who is like a hardcore chud is going to be confronted with this reality that they have to like have like a when prophecies fail moment, a millenarian mm-hmm. sort of crisis. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think they're living in their own world. They don't believe this shit. They believe it's all hokum. There, there are plenty of. There's been decades of you know, uh, people explaining how none of this stuff matters. Uh, Mm-hmm. paid for by the oil industry and then there's a whole sort of cultural right-wing affect that is dedicated to uh being against this shit so like that doesn't matter what this can could mean potentially the level of devastation that this is causing which is like my god there's like half a million people displaced in oregon alone yeah which is i mean that's it's uh, it's unbelievable um what that could mean is galvanizing uh people who aren't insane like probably you know two-thirds of this country (laughs) um certainly uh galvanizing a left to feel like it needs to get together and just take drastic action to stop this and who knows maybe if anyone could be convinced it would be uh center uh the the your your average american liberal but i don't think even that's going to trickle up to meaningful policy on their part right like you've yeah. got like everyone from joe biden to gavin newsom out um 
talking like, gosh, yeah, oof, climate change, just because it's in the fucking air, literally. Um, but, you know, I mean, they're full of shit. Yeah. So if, if anything, if anything good comes of this, it could be yet another sort of crack in the legitimacy of those these fucking charlatans like who you know joe biden against green new deal for fucking he's not doesn't even want to outlaw fracking uh gavin newsom uh, you know approved you know massive expansion of uh drilling eh, mm-hmm. you could see this stuff becoming so real people realizing that it's your, your average american like big city lib you could i'm not saying this will happen i'm saying a best case would be those people go okay i mean if you're not gonna in the future like have uh take the right stance on this then then you're not gonna have credibility on this yeah well maybe i mean that's the best you can hope for what do you think Colin? well there there is something that i wanted to say on gavin newsom because um i'm sure that you saw that video of him doing that talk like uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> before the smoldering ruins of oh, yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. that once yeah. was it was really odd because he was sort of smiling yeah and, yeah he has and, this weird smile on his face yeah it's and creepy as fuck it, it, completely and to your point greg i think that basically like <laughs> all politics now on either poll it's the the breitbart or the uh yeah andrew breitbart doctrine of uh all, politics being downstream from culture and so yeah. it just and becomes a culture conservatives. Yeah. yeah. And that's the cultural issue for him. So he's smiling because he's saying, look at this, look at this. Climate change is real. We told you it's real. Fuck your fake news. Right. And that's right. all he has to say. Like, right. That- so what he's getting off the smile on his face is he's going, aha, exactly. I'm getting one over on you. Right. Mm-hmm. But what as sinister as that is on its own, the joke is on him because he is not. He is not getting <laughs> yeah. it over on anybody. <laughs> right, no we're all dying. No one who doesn't think climate yeah. change is real, no one who doesn't think climate change is real, no one, not a right. single person in the world, <laughs> it will be convinced by these fires. Right. Because the truth, they are not good evidence of anything yeah. taken as their own. Unless you're actually looking into the deeper, like, Mm-hmm. science of this and the conclusions of the a global scientific community but what well, that is foreclosed like that that's not yeah. an option in this and, conversation so and we can see this same exact thing play out with covid and it just becoming this issue of yep. science it's science and mm-hmm. that's it that's all that's all we're gonna say is and that rather than science. doing anything really the democratic right. governors are basically content to be uh, to the left of Trump on this thing, to the yeah. science side of Trump, to like to signal, to hand wave, to uh, you know virtue signal on COVID, and like right. do a few bare minimum things that are like, gosh, we actually believe uh, this is real, and that's it. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because yeah, the extent of the like liberal political imagination is wearing an "I'm was stupid" T-shirt, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean. Uh... You know, for libs like Newsom or whatever and Inslee, you know, every million acres of fucking forest that burns down is just a point for them against Trump, right? Yeah. Whereas for the Trumpites, I, you know, something uh, more sinister comes, right? And that we began the summer with a whole family being uh, tormented in Forks, Washington 
by these freak chuds setting up roadblocks, firing guns around them, threatening them, all this shit, trying to run them off the road. And we all kind of wrote it off because we're like, it's forks. It's beset by like werewolves and fucking vampires and shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, who knows, right? It's a weird place, right? And then, uh, you know, these sort of like, you know, white fucking homeowners threw up another giant roadblock just outside of Seattle in Snohomish County, right? When people tried to march to our police chief, Carmen Best's house, and Carmen Best openly praised them and talked about how what a great idea it was that they throw this fucking. <laughs> armed vigilante roadblock <laughs> and some of us on the show right like our show some of us were like this doesn't you know bode well for the future and now apparently they've been set up in towns you know various towns all over oregon and i think oh uh, well this just is before we, this before this, this ted wheeler in portland the fucking yeah. mayor there said <laughs> literally called upon portlanders to rise up quote unquote, <laughs> um, and take their city back yeah. and so now yeah you have a crisis happening mm -hmm. and the stage is set yeah. it doesn't matter that it's fire it, yeah. any crisis is going to be there's going to be more and more people ready yeah to be uh to live out chris kyle's fucking katrina fantasies yeah exactly right? i mean that was the thing is that they did exactly i mean you're exactly right they did exactly this in katrina i mean police yeah. lined black men up on the danziger bridge and shot them in the back of the head and it's on tape and nobody did anything about it right yeah. like you know there is all sorts of people who showed up dead in katrina who were shot and nobody did anything about it i think this kind of vigilantism is here to stay and it's only going to grow from here and it's you know, in 10 years, if you want to deliver a Domino's pizza anywhere outside of like an urban core, you're gonna have to fucking mount a 50 cow into the bed of your truck like you're driving <laughs> through a fucking war zone to make sure that you can get that thing there on time. Well, it's it'll be but, a, it's you know. a matrix of vigilantism and yeah. uh, what's the pithy word for cops being just out of control? Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, that and I mean, the, I think a lot of these people, too, are watching the police having so much fun and they want to have fun oh, now, too. 100 percent. Yeah. Yeah. So. So, but, you know, this is all under, you know, this is all happening. This is all true. And we can talk about this like the, you know, the political ramifications of all this. But climate change is real. We do mm -hmm. actually know about this. Mm -hmm. And we know now that, I mean, I'm reading this. Uh, this is written up all over the place but uh, uh i was reading in i've got an la times story open here about the a new this week a new uh the uh world meteorological organization uh from the un published a new like study update talking about uh the you know their update to the timetables for global warming basically and the takeaway is that <laughs> Um, they're now saying a uh, decent chance in the next four years uh, we the globe could hit uh, the 1.5 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial level average. That is one of the sort of markers of like the Paris Agreement. Um, and they're saying now like, yeah, whoosh, this is all happening way faster than we have said in our previous reports um and now that's looking like yeah that could come between now and say you know 
2025. Whereas just two years ago, the big report two years ago said, we need to watch if we don't change anything right now, we could hit that 1.5 degree number by say, oh, 2030 to 2052. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what the same group was saying two fucking years ago. They were saying 1.5 degrees if we do nothing yeah. sometime in the next decades. And now it's maybe by 2025. Uh, and this is... This number is, you know, it's it's arbitrary, but it's like a number that was set down uh, saying that, like, yes, it's not like the two degree number where, like, it will be irreversible and out of control forever and there's nothing you can do. It's the 1.5 degree number is like, if this line is crossed, yeah, you could still maybe reverse it if you don't let it get to two, but you will have caused an enormous amount by that time, like mm-hmm. shit will get out of control to the point where you're going to cause a lot of havoc. And we're yeah. already as of the sort of the high points this year at looking at uh, 1.1 degrees. We've already hit 1.1 degrees over as a global average over pre-industrial levels. So, hey, all all awesome news to add to everything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I. And I urge people to go back. There was a book written in, I think, 2011 or 12 uh, by uh, author Christian Perenni called uh, Tropic of Chaos. And basically, he's a journalist and he makes the argument that the uh, convergence of neoliberalism, counterinsurgency policies, the flooding of the world with small arms and other weapons and climate change essentially is building us towards a bloodbath. And so far, uh, he's looking pretty fucking right right now about all this. So just going to throw that little plug out there. And uh, now that we've talked about the horrible state response to this, and the vigilante response, maybe we should kick to our interview uh, with Alicia Ramirez. Hey, everybody. Uh, We are here with a very special guest. Alicia Ramirez works on immigrant rights, doing anti-ice work uh, and work in anti-racism and demilitarization, defunding of police, as well as uh, rapid response trainings on how to safely respond to immigration enforcement activity in communities through the Washington Immigrant Solidarity Network. And now has a new column in the South Seattle Emerald titled Spoghead and the SPD are waging an old propaganda war against protesters and the left to thwart accountability, in which she puts Mr. Mike Solon on blast, writing, Since Black Lives Matter protests kicked off in Seattle at the end of May, police have decided that the way to respond to protests against police brutality is with police brutality. This... uh, tactically only strengthens protesters' demands for defunding and accountability, something the Seattle Police Department is aware of. Weeks of footage showing officers beating up protesters and targeting medics and media has resulted in SPD losing the narrative. To regain it, they are choosing the Trump tactic, which is to deflect and blame and demonize their detractors. 
Seattle Police Officers Guild President Mike Solon has taken these propaganda efforts even further by using dog whistles and shock politics to bolster support among Spog Law and Order supporters and fearful white suburbanites who see the protests as violent anarchy. Solon recently posted such a message on Twitter claiming that Antifa was trying to murder officers. And he implied in an interview in an and he implied in an interview with conservative talk show host Dory Monson that he would shoot protesters who breached his property if he felt threatened. Alicia, thank you so much for coming on. People have been asking us to have you on yeah. for a while. Um, and uh, you've got a lot to say about cops. So thank you for coming. Uh, and for, thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. thanks we're thanks we're stoked. And, uh, yeah, we really enjoyed the new column in the Emerald. Um, actually, a lot of great stuff coming out of the Emerald uh, these days, if you haven't checked it out. Um, we'll, of course, link to that piece. Uh, yeah, in the show notes. Yeah. If we had maybe just start with uh, Mark Sullen. I mean, this guy is, is a real character. Maybe Or Mike Sullen, sorry, not Mark Sullen. Mike Sullen, a real character. Can you maybe like tell us a little bit about Mike Sullen and maybe a little bit about his uh, campaign ad? Right. So I actually became aware of Mike Sullen um, last, last year. Um, he actually did a, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the group Safe Seattle. They're an anti- Oh, we're familiar. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I figured. So, Long time members. <laughs> yeah, that's how I um, became familiar with Mike Solon. He spoke at their panel about homelessness um, mm -hmm. last spring um, mm -hmm. and had some not great things to say, of course. And that was um, when he was not, the, like, uh, yeah. vice president. Vice president, of, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and not a whole lot longer after that, he ran his campaign for the SPOG president. Um, and went back to state Seattle and started um, campaigning there. He sat down and did a really long interview with them. Um, they promoted his piece where I actually talked about it in the Emerald article where it's just basically Fox News propaganda. He's like beating protesters and saying, we're going to take back the narrative. Um, so he really ran on that hard line, like super right ring Fox Breitbart kind of vibe. Um, and it won. He won 70% of um, the membership's vote, which is a lot of police officers. That's a, that's a fucking mandate. Yeah, to, that is. To do what he uh, promised to do in his campaign commercial, which was just like, uh, it, like footage of cops beating up protesters and saying like, yeah, more of this, please. Yeah, I mean, that was what was interesting about his campaign ad is that you would expect from the police union, right, uh, pictures of protesters in the street or whatever and running, you know, a Nick's audience sort or of law and order campaign. But, you know, the fact that he basically was like, no, I'll have the pictures of the protesters, but I want to show like what we do, which is just the cops beating the hell out of them and be like, yeah, that, that's what I want to do. You know, I thought and that that's was what they've uh, done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much, true to yeah. his word. True to his word, yeah. right? It's, it's actually kind of scary because if you were to just um, view the video, the end part of Mike Solon's campaign video without any context of what the video was about or for, and then you view any footage over the last three months of Seattle police being protesters, you really can't tell the difference. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what's really scary. And what had activists and folks like me really concerned 
when we saw Mike Solon kind of ascend, you know, the throne of Seattle police is, you know, he, I mean, this wasn't just him trying to um, use some nice shock graphics to win. I mean, this was a warning of what he planned to do um, with the police force. And what we saw in that video has played out in real time in some really awful ways. Well, you quote this in the piece also, I believe, and one thing that I remember from the from his campaign, I think from that video, is like promising to uh, promote an SPD narrative of uh, things like this, uh, very like actively. And so like it's not just on the one hand, it's like this very like anti dissent, uh, you know, right wing law and order thing, but also like he came in it part of his pitch was a PR angle of saying like, we're going to do PR to push our narrative from within SPD as the union. Uh, and he's doing that all over like uh, conservative media, right? Yeah. He's been on Fox news dozens of times. He's been on like a bunch of other like right wing um, type of like podcasts and shows um, Law Enforcement Today, which is a really popular, like, shock jock right-wing site that law enforcement officers like to follow, um, has, he's been on there multiple times. So he's, he's really taking that narrative and spread it nationally. And, uh, what really concerns me and worries me is that eventually he's going to have the direct ear of Trump himself. And we see what happens when, um, when that happens, um, like in Portland, um, when people were being disappeared off the street. Um, those are all things that have really real, tangible, scary consequences. Yeah, that's a really terrifying thought. Mike Solon, like, climbing the, uh, like, right-wing uh, neo-fascist ladder close enough to, like, you know, get a, get a phone call from the White House and shoot the shit with Trump about, like, what to do about... Uh, Seattle Antifa. That's uh, that's chilling. Yeah, and I and I want to maybe quote this. You quote uh, Sullen in your in your piece here. You know, he has this uh, thing where he says, "When you bend to the mob, this is talking about defunding SPD. When you bend to the mob, we lose as a as a society. We lose as a nation. Seattle and Portland are the epicenter of far left progressive socialism and neo-Marxist ideology, if only, right? This is all about November's election and police yeah. are caught in the middle, right? And I mean, it's almost indistinguishable from Trump in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, no, it is. And I think there's one thing that Mike Solon actually in that part did unintentionally tell the truth on, and it is about the election. Um, SPOG and SPD is very aware that people are really hypersensitive about the election. They're aware that these deep divides are here and, and they're aware um, that this election in a lot of ways is going to decide not just our fate, but their fate. Um, you know, Trump is a pretty, um, he's a pretty uh, good ally for them to have in office right now. I mean, he's not going to hold any of them accountable and they know that. Um, so I kind of almost think that they're a little afraid um, that if he loses, you know, there goes, they're taking back the narrative, right? Um, so I really think that they've done something kind of terrifying is where they've tapped into that 
and they if you notice like if you look on their like twitter and all the people that follow them cheering cheering them on when they're beating protesters um like these are the people that are like the trump supporters you know it's not a coincidence that they're um doing all this in the midst of an election um you know they're very much like trump they're playing their base and there are people that you know um are getting enjoyment out of that and that is who Spog and Mike Solon and SPD are really targeting. You know, they're not targeting the majority because the majority is really disgusted by this. Um, they're targeting that minority in a really heated election year. Yeah, I mean, it, this is like Nazi get out the vote, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's and it, which is ironic because the article that also came out in the Emerald um, about Mike Solon being illegally registered to vote. Hilarious. Uh, precincts <laughs> yeah. um, as i say and not as i do right um and it's just it's really it's really terrifying to watch and to me what's more terrifying than that is that there seems to be no one right now that can hold them accountable that can really stop them um the mayor is not going to do anything the city council kind of it seems like they want to do something kind of but their hands are really tied as far as what they can do and they know like the Justice Department is not going to do anything at all uh, at this point, not under this administration. So they're really they're really emboldened, and it's been terrifying. Um, I actually watched the footage from Labor Day when uh, people protested at Spog headquarters, mm-hmm. and they decided to blare country music while riding out and beating protesters. Uh, that was really terrifying for me to watch, and what was disgusting about it was that they then on their official communications, you know, talked about that event, like, ha ha, we trolled the libs. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like they're, they're pandering to, you know, to that, to that base, to those people. And if he's on Fox News enough, eventually he'll get the president's ear. Yeah, I mean, sure. And we, we know that uh, from his, you know, giving audience like David Clark and stuff like that, the Trump is perfectly willing to entertain these like insane sort of fringe police, uh, not fringe in the world of policing, but fringe in like, you know, the world of society. Human element. humanity. It, yeah, humanity elements. I mean, the human fringe. The, yeah, the the uh, protest that was at Spog where they came in, you know, the police literally timed their attacking the protest to big and riches save a horse ride a cowboy oh that's like country music yeah i i completely forgotten about this song existed uh you know since i've been in texas in so long but i mean to me it had like the unmistakable sort of feel to it of a giant victory celebration i thought because you know the city council had tried to defund them the mayor vetoed it and then the council completely collapsed after the veto and it felt like spd was like we won we well, got they it. Saw, they, they saw the council basically, you know, put their head between their legs and apologize um, for uh, disrespecting the, uh, the beloved public servant, Carmen Best. Um, and that's got to feel like a victory for Solon and SPD, uh, right? The Carmen Best situation, I have to say, was, was so frustrating. And part of the reason why it's so frustrating to me, especially as another black woman, is to see people who on any given day don't really care about 
you know, black people or black causes or black women rising the ranks or any of that thing or any of those things. But when she um, put in her resignation, um, all of a sudden it's look what the city council did. They got rid of this black woman and see, they don't really support black lives matter. And to me, that's really frustrating. Um, because my, I mean, just the experiences that I've seen with how Carmen Best has um, controlled her officers or, you know, the things that she has allowed them to do. Um, I'm not surprised that she resigned. And I also, um, I guess I'm in the minority. Um, I'm, I'm kind of a little relieved she resigned. Um, but it's really frustrating to, to see, you know, if I, when I talk about, you know, these things as a black woman, you know, I am told, oh, you're uh, race baiting, you're, uh, you're a snowflake, you know, yada, 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 whatever. Um, but then here's Carmen Best, who is, you know, she's telling her officers to be protesters. She's having her neighbors in Snohomish um, meet the protesters going to her house with rifles, um, all of those things. And it's just, to me, it's just really maddening and frustrating because it takes the conversation off of what SPD, what SPD is doing. It's really wrong and horrible. They need to be defunded to city council just kicked off a black woman. And it's just so frustrating. And there's not a whole lot of black people in Seattle as it is. So it's not like there's a lot of us that can refute that point. So then it mm-hmm. just kind of becomes the overriding theme. And Zolan, of course, can then dig into this and be like, see, we support black women. We support black people. Our chief, our chief of police is black and you got rid of her. And it's just gives someone a light to stand on that he really doesn't deserve. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also, I, as you're saying, I mean, deeply cynical to hear uh, Jason Rance all of a sudden start to care about pay differentials for black women. Right. Or even the Seattle times, you know, who dismissed out of hand, that raising the minimum wage might like disproportionately help, you know, black people, black or women, you know, things like that. Uh, all of a sudden, start to care about it once it affected the beloved police. Of course, you know, all of it being a just smoke show for their just wanting, you know, the police to to get rid of the what they see as the problem, right? Which is people in the streets. Yeah, and I really appreciate like Nikita Oliver and some other folks in the community have put out some really good counters to that. They appreciate. And that is basically calling people back to the fact that, you know, it the system was going to continue whether or not um, a black woman was in charge of it or not. Um, and that's really what we need to focus on is changing that system, because until we change that system, it doesn't matter who we put in, in there. We could put, you know, we could put a person who's an immigrant. We could put a person who's of indigenous descent. It doesn't matter. Uh, the outcome is going to be the same because the system needs to be changed. Yeah. And um, I'm really thankful to those folks in the community who have been trying to call attention to that and bring it back to that point. But still, it's, it's so frustrating to see that people who on any other given day of the week wouldn't really care. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, you know, maybe almost for the same reason, part of changing that system is going to be getting rid of leadership that has failed and that includes Carmen Best so you really I mean the council could have taken that opportunity to celebrate her departure I think and say yeah this is the person who gas ordered the gassing of us the council on the street 
uh, in charge of a department that's beating people uh, and has a terrible record on violence and murder. Uh, you know, um, but yeah, they chose to let the right instrumentalize it um, cynically. And uh, that was that was really frustrating to see. Um, uh, so what I've also seen is, um, so yeah, well, what I was going to say is, uh, yeah, the, uh, the May Day, or excuse me, the Labor Day, um, action where, uh, SPD came in was, like, particularly brutal and, uh, like, wild, even for them, and, you know, it, it's got me, it's all, all of this has me thinking about this moment we're in, like, part of me wants to look around after, again, like, the council's back down, um, SPD is out basically celebrating by wilding out against people, and I think to myself, like, does this mean they've won? Have they won in the streets? Have they won in the halls of power? Um, and this really disheartening thought, but I also then, at the same time, have this, uh, uh, I'm just looking at this poll from Portland, now it's another city, um, but uh, it's close by, and it's been going through a lot of the same things. I haven't seen any good polling on Seattle, and this was from this week, is in the, the uh, Oregonian, had this poll uh, they reported on that showed in Portland, 76% of people support Black Lives Matter. That's kind of nebulous, could mean anything. Similarly nebulous, 92% uh, say they support nonviolent protest. Again, that, you know, that's a thing a lot of people you would expect to uh, sort of in a poll uh, say they support. The real kicker was this. 67% of people when asked, do you support these protests? Meaning what's going on now, whatever you think of it or whatever you think is going on. And this is a city, Portland, that has seen, you know, uh, this was at the end of August when they, you know, had had just about 100 days of continuous um, protest. 67% uh, approved of those protests going on in Portland. Now, that doesn't mean the numbers are exactly the same here, but it's it does it's hopeful that like outside of uh you know the the people you describe the sort of fearful white suburbanites like actually uh maybe spog and the cops aren't necessarily winning the narrative with the average citizens of seattle yeah and i think part of the reason why spog is so desperate to take back the narrative and Solon's words is that they know that they're losing the war of public trust. Um, I mean, a lot of people that I talk to, including, I mean, old white ladies in the suburbs are appalled by the things that the Seattle police have been doing over the last few months. Um, I mean, all of you seeing on social media is just cops beating the crap out of people for, for months on end. Yeah. Um, and oftentimes without provocation. And, you know, at the same time, people were seeing we have George Floyd, uh, we have Breonna Taylor, we have so many other people who were dying at the hands of police in ways that they just didn't, that didn't need to happen. Um, I think overall that the police in general, not just Seattle police, are really losing the narrative and losing the public trust, and they know that. And they also know that they have an administration, though, that's not going to take them to task. And mm -hmm. when you 
when you when you can't convince people, um, you know, you can't talk them into something. What is the next thing you can do? Well, you can use force, which is what the police are doing right now. Historically, Seattle police have a really terrible track record. Um, in the seventies, um, they were. Uh, so corrupt that a lot of officers actually got indicted because they were running with the mob and doing all about those kinds of shady things. Um, we had the um, Freedom Patrols in the mid-1960s that happened because Seattle police officers were basically beating the crap out of black men for them just being black. Um, something that, you know, is a very 2020 thing, unfortunately, that's still happening. Um, it's really a long history that that Seattle police has of using force, being dishonest, being distrustful. And I think that it's really eroded the public's trust over time. And now with all these other things coming into focus, I mean, people are finally beginning to see how broken our system is. And I think the Seattle police are freaking out a little bit um, because I mean, what did they say? What you deflect things onto your enemies that you yourself are doing. A lot of the things Seattle police have accused protesters of doing, they have done. Um, throw explosive devices, attack people, um, things like that. So, I mean, in that sense, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that people seem to be really motivated and willing, finally. I mean, I'm seeing old 85-year-old women who have never posted tested before in their life and will say that they're going to put on some body gear and go out there and get maced. And to me, I mean, it's terrible, but it's also a hopeful sign. And it's a hopeful sign that people are finally realizing that the system is broken and they're finally ready to acknowledge that and fix it, regardless of what that's going to take. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting. I don't think, you know, going back to 2000, I don't think I've ever seen this level of support, like just in the general public for you know, things the left are doing in the streets or any sort of left program at all. And it's astonishing, but it's it's put together with this just brute force that seems to have no formal opposition in our political system from the police itself. And I think, you know, in your article, you talk about this idea of them, you know, trying to reclaim the narrative by sort of putting on others what they're doing to, you know, what they want to do to them and what they are doing to them. And I, I just wanted to talk about going back to this Labor Day sort of police riot. Uh, they, on Twitter, posted a picture of a Corona box full yeah, of just I... absolutely pristine what they labeled as Molotov cocktails that then, you know, uh, you know, pardon the, the wordplay or whatever, blew up in their face, like almost immediately, uh, at least uh, on Twitter and stuff. But maybe you could uh, tell us a little bit about this, this very bizarre campaign. The SPD and a lot of other departments around the country have been running on Twitter, posting, you know, weapons or whatever from uh, uh, protests. Yeah, and I think Portland police at one time, I think it was a month or two ago, did the same thing with um, mm -hmm. the homemade shields people had made. And literally it was pool noodles and like cardboard boxes and tupperware lids that were fitted for you know as gear and you know the, the their message was oh look at all these violent dangerous weapons we confiscated you know that include pool noodles and tupperware mm -hmm. lids and it's so ridiculous uh, it's 
that you see this, not just from Portland police, Seattle police, you know, the Trump administration does it all the time. Um, and it's kind of almost seems like desperation. Like they know the public is not, you know, buying what they're selling and it's just, they're just going to put out this narrative regardless of, you know, who believes it or not. Um, they know that they'll always have someone to believe them, like the law and order, blue lives matter type. I Sometimes I think that they put out these, like obviously false narratives because they know that there's people that's going to believe it. Like for instance, um, this happened about a week before the Labor Day protest, but there is a protest at the East Precinct and someone threw a Molotov cocktail inside and the narrative that Esther T went with was protesters and Antifa are trying to burn us all alive. Yeah, yeah. It was it's such a false, obviously false narrative, but it got picked up and spread by Jason Rand, Brent Cruz, um, and it quickly, you know, it quickly became a talking point. And that's one thing they are good at is they are good at making these really Fox News type sound bites and getting it kind of you know churned out and whipping up their supporters. And that's a little terrifying. Um, That's a little terrifying as well. Um, But ultimately, it really does seem like they are losing. And they know they're losing. And they're going to do whatever it takes um, to not lose, even if that means people die in the process. Because with what we're seeing, I mean it's only a matter of luck that no one has died so far at these protests as a direct result because of the police actions. Um, yeah. I mean, we know, Seattle, for a fact, yeah. Yeah. yeah, we know for a fact that like medics and Seattle street medics in Seattle basically revived a woman over by the East precinct early on in the protest the police literally killed and they had to revive her three times. Uh, it, it's just, it's the humanity of the protesters is the only thing that's kept people alive. Certainly not any humanity on the police department's side. It's also like if you to believe the narratives that they're spinning of like, oh, they're trying to burn us alive. They're trying to kill us. Um, you'd have to be a fucking idiot because um, these protests have been going on in this country for months now out in the streets. There's been an enormous amount of contact between protesters and cops and uh no one, no, no, no cops have actually been killed during any of these things, which would be incredibly easy to do. Ultimately, if you really, if someone out there really wanted to, um, even that that Molotov cocktail that was thrown at at the East Precinct, you know, I saw the video of it. It's like one guy throws, you know, uh, what is basically like, you know, a pyrotechnics show at a concrete building, and the whole rest of the group there is sort of annoyed and has to leave because they know it's going to c- come down. So. You know, we don't know, but you have to assume a lot of this is uh, agents provocateur bullshit. Um, but yeah, you would have to be kind of dumb to, to believe that these protests are violent, that they were out to kill these cops. But I, I can tell you, because I have a family, that people are that stupid. <laughs> <laughs> people are are very fucking stupid. So. Yeah, I uh, I tweeted about this very skeptically because uh, I've been very critical of SPD for year for years, even long before this, um, which is I guess why some people decide to call me anti-police. Um, but uh, one of the things I pointed out on Twitter, um, which made some conservatives very furious, was um, 
there's just pieces in the story that logically don't make sense that if you were to like walk this scenario through your head it just doesn't make sense uh, for instance for that event um this spd claims that someone that they used uh quicket which is like instant like quick drawing Quick-crete. yeah yeah oh Quick-crete. that's it's so fucking yeah. funny yeah yeah, to uh, to seal them in so that they couldn't escape. And if you don't know what, what if you've never used that like quicket before, it's basically a powder substance, and you have to add it to water, and it takes mm-hmm. about a good twenty to forty minutes to dry. So if you were really wanted to do this, I don't condone that kind of thing. But if someone really really wanted to do that, you would need more than twenty five seconds. They could. Uh, the point is, they could do it. Though there are ways to kill cops if someone wanted to, and no one wants. No one's trying to do this. So it's like, yeah. And the the quickcrete story. They love stuff about concrete. Why? It's like a right wing obsession. Um, whether it's in milkshakes or in door jams right. or in or in ice cream canisters, they're like they're obsessed with this cartoon idea of uh, like concrete, like being thrown on them and magically like turning them to stone like when you look into the <laughs> eyes of medusa and yeah it's it's like an it's a it's a weird fantasy that has to be some kind of like weird psychosexual thing uh, for the right wing male or something i don't know i'm just i'm just spitballing here it's just like you know just make a story that's so fantastical to get people angry and upset and i mean when I pointed this out on Twitter, um, let's just say it enraged quite a few conservatives and the law enforcement today, which I mentioned that um, officers really like to read, that puts out garbage all the time. Officers <laughs> and Brian. Yeah. yeah, I read all those magazines. <laughs> oh, wow. I, like I, I read it once in a while of curiosity. I just, that's too much for me. Um, but they did, they dedicated eight separate articles with my tweets saying that I was a terrorist for pointing out the obvious and the logical um mm-hmm. and that's i mean it's just ridiculous um but that's kind of the thing anyone who speaks out against this and speaks out with logic and tries to say you know that's that's really not what's going on um and does so publicly is going to be met with a lot of vitriol from their supporters uh well, which kind of mm-hmm. kind of feeds their whole I mean, that's basically why they do it. Yeah, and I, what I think that another thing that's happening, too, is that for the longest time, right, police have just been able to get away with saying whatever. I mean, the most outlandish lies they've gotten away with because the media has always been their sort of compliant helpers and sort of shaping police narratives, right? And, uh, I mean, the police even have their own term for it that they jokingly, from the Mullen Commission, it came up, they jokingly call it test line But... The thing is, is I think the disbursement of information in social media has kind of hurt their ability to do some of that. When they tried to claim that incendiary bombs were thrown at them at the East Precinct, I mean, pictures immediately were going around showing the the, the picture they'd shown, pointing out where it says candle on it. They're yeah. clearly prayer candles. I actually saw a protest sign that said this was a candle. It was just, it was funny. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and people are, people all over the country are just clowning on them. And like, but the thing about the... all people all over the country saw that because that got ran on national fucking news as but, well. But I think though, it's in the past though the because the news would have run it, and you know, somebody at the news network probably would have been smart enough to kind of hide the image or make it blurry. People would have just bought this narrative. But there's actually been some like uh, because the news just doesn't carry the weight that it doesn't that used to that it's been able to the narrative hasn't been able to be so overwhelming uh the the thing with the molotov cocktails it was astonishing how fast people found video and photos showing that the one showing the undercover cop walking the molotov cocktails into the protest leaving it talking to other police officers and then walking away and it's like i mean just within hours the whole thing unraveled and uh 10 years ago that wasn't possible you know, um, yeah, I mean, that's it, kind of one of the upsides of social media is there, there's cameras everywhere. Someone's got their phone out and it will be recorded. So uh, on the downside, it's that's how bullshit rumors get spread. But on the, on the good yeah. on the upside, that we're able to catch a lot of these wrongdoings that are happening by officers um, and why we have footage of George Floyd. That's been happening for a long time. It's just now that we have you know we have social media we have the technology to make it go viral instantly yeah well and i'm hoping mm -hmm. that on the balance of like society wide that that wins out that people that enough people are actually just seeing the sort of uh torrent the waterfall of images of police brutality and murder that you know that it soaks into enough people but on the other hand like at the same time that this stuff is available that um it's so much easier to uncover these things that these images can get out there this whole thing is unfolding basically i mean alicia the way you talked about it this being basically for the cops in a way about the election um makes me think like that it's somehow this is disturbingly like all a proxy conflict in the greater stupid American culture war that like that it is just about like owning the libs and vice versa and in we know from all other conflicts in that culture war that the facts don't really matter that it's it's really just like what ammunition you can throw up on the board to get your side juiced you know um, to get the thrill of uh, owning the libs or whatever um, which is wild to think about but I mean I, you know a ton of people saw that 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 corona box of of like pristine Molotov cocktails with like perfectly like ironed uh, uh, all matching uh, handkerchiefs uh, and were like oh my god uh, SPD narrowly avoided being murdered today by burning alive from Molotov cocktails. Like, you know, some people think that. Yeah, and, and they know, I mean, they know that the people who are, that their base is never going to question anything they do, mm -hmm. regardless of how stupid it is. And kind of interesting about the language that Mike Solon is using. He uses a lot of the communists and Marxists and um, those aren't new terms. They're very old. Um, they've been around since like the 1920s and 30s um, during the Red Scare which ironically Seattle police back then had a big part of and it's 
it's really just been this really long running culture war, right? Progressive, progressive, you know, ideologies are bad. Um, equality is bad. You know, these things are bad and communist and they must be gotten rid of. So, I mean, it's really just, I mean, Mike Sloan is tapped into kind of the, you know, classic American, you know, culture war that we've been fighting here for a really long time. Yeah, and it's it's worth sort of kind of uh, drilling in on this sort of the anti-communist angle or whatever of the language, the Cold War language and whatnot. Because, I mean, going back to the discussion over the consent decree, I mean, this was the language that Spog used. I mean, in 2011, uh, when, they're, <laughs> when they're being told that they can't racially profile anymore, they had an editorial in the paper where they called it the city, you know, a socialist policy of the city to end uh, racial profiling. Uh, there was another in their newspaper, in Spog's newspaper in 2015, where they compared anti-Confederate flag sentiment to uh, the transition of czarist Russia to the Soviet Union and Stalinism as a way of life. So, you know, by saying, hey, maybe the Confederate flag's racist, we apparently all accepted uh, Stalinism into our heart. Again, if only. But uh, <laughs> it, but this is uh, this has been like SPD's, you know, thing for a long time. And I, I, I think it's both it's propaganda in the sense that they're trying to play on sort of the vestigial Cold War fears of the dying boomer brain. But at the same time, too, I think it's something they deeply believe that, like, anything short of essentially Nazism is communism in their minds, yeah. right? And that is part of what makes them so resistant to any change whatsoever. Well, you know who else, you know who else thought about that re- that about the relationship between uh, communism and nazism brian <laughs> it was the nazis um uh, i wonder though if they go if they've if he's gone too far at least like i mean hope i the hope is they've they've overplayed their hand right but i want you already uh read this brian but also again this quote from uh alicia's column mike solon saying seattle and portland are the epicenter he does not say of far-left socialism and neo-Marxist ideology. He says, are the epicenter of far-left progressive socialism and neo-Marxist ideology. And so you got to wonder about the enormous number of people in these cities who think of themselves as progressive going, huh, so you're saying you, the police, are just 100% politically aware that you are totally against progressivism uh yeah. in general it, that's an interesting thing yeah, for him to do of seattle and i think even washington state at least in this side of the mountains is would identify as progressive so really that's going against the majority um yeah. not being for the majority uh, but it's a really so a lot of law enforcement is just naturally very conservative and conservatism is still very rooted in that Cold War, uh, Red Scare mentality. That anything, you know, short of capitalism or not, you know, anything, anything that does not include heavily centered capitalism, anything that's anything less of Nazism is communism. And so it does. It's not surprising that Seattle police or police in general would think this. 
Yeah. Yeah, and mm -hmm. they're announcing it now. They're like you said, they're for this for them this is about the election and that mask is off. They're saying we are Trump's army in the streets. We are uh, a unified we think of our we have a unified political consciousness that identifies itself as explicitly arch conservative um, you know, MAGA cops, man. Like they're they're saying that to everyone in the country. Uh which is an interesting turn. I mean, you know, you can go back. We've talked a lot about the fact that they could have played this very differently and, like, taken a, a gentler hand, but that just wasn't in their nature. And they also, on the political side, they could have, they could be pretending to maintain this uh, neutral uh, position of the, um, the just law enforcement technician who is politically neutral and just uh, about the rule of law but instead they're saying we are a political force that is uh maga partisan in favor of law and order yeah, and it kind of is part of spd's nature and, and actually part of the nature of american policing in general is is based in a lot of racism um actually policing in america was based on slave slave patrols and slave catchers and so that kind of mentality even though you know we're, we're 200 and somewhat years you know out of that era is still is still prevalent it's why we see all these issues and seattle police specifically has a really ugly history with um racism overuse of force corruption um all those things which never really got resolved I mean, we've been locked in this 50 year battle to resolve these issues and um, it's just gotten so bad to the point where now everyone can see how, you know, how deep these issues really go. Yeah, and I think uh, it, it's telling that at the onset of the consent decree, when it was brought up that SPD disproportionately stopped and searched black people right disproportionately arrested for minor crimes black people, you know etc cetera, etc cetera. when this was brought up their response was that yeah for us to do that or for us to stop doing that would be socialism or whatever right which was this deep ingrained thing i mean during the civil rights movement the police said you know any pushback against segregation as that's that's soviet right and i think it's that it's that combination in the right of the united states that's always been there since the founding of the country where you know, white nationalism is foundational to American capitalism and to the structures that uh, keep it alive, right? And that might have something to do with the fact that our labor system was a racially based labor system for a hundred years. But you know, it's it's uh, disturbing, and you see all the vestiges of it in there, which makes I think some of us very skeptical that the police could ever be reformed. Yeah, it's just it's. A long-running issue that's gone on for so long and um, I also I'm a local organizer so I've seen just in real life the difference between how the Seattle police will treat say proud boys or armed people centers mm -hmm. versus a group of unarmed protesters you know protesting against ice at their headquarters downtown um, there's and that's not an intentional that's because the police, you know, often identify with that kind of ideology, uh, ID, you know, those kinds of ideas or are sympathetic towards it. In fact, there was an incident last year um, 
where Proud Boys had went around wandering around downtown during a Sounders game looking for Antifa to beat up and happened to attack some guy walking to a Sounders game who happened to be wearing an iron sweatshirt in front of the police. And the police basically did nothing, and that is a recurring theme that happens over and over and over and over again. Um, when we had the incident on Capitol Hill in June where Nico Fernandez um, ran through a crowd of protesters and shot someone, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, was there, I was there for that. I got to witness that. And the thing that haunts me isn't so much what Nico Fernandez did, but how the police treated him with so much care. You know, he mm-hmm. walked right up to the police. They gently, you know, take him away, you know, and here the police are an hour later beating up protesters and tear gassing them, nonviolent, unarmed protesters. And yeah, those are, you know, those are real problematic issues that, you know, have gone back a long time. And now, um, people outside the organizing world, the general public is now able to see this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that really goes back to what you asked. How can you reform that? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think too, yeah. it speaks to some of the, the uh, soft propaganda of the police too. And that in the George Zimmerman trial, a big cornerstone of his defense was, Hey, if I'm a bad guy who did something wrong, why did, you know, they're showing you these videos, of the police, you know, talking to me afterwards, why did the police treat me so nicely? if I'm such a bad guy and I did this bad thing. And at least according to one anonymous juror, that was, you know, convincing to them or whatever, right? Wow. And so there is this thing where when the police go out and there is a peaceful Black Lives Matter march and the police show up with tear gas and beat the shit out of them, it creates a spectacle that in some people's brains, they say, wow, those protesters must have really done something or been a real threat for the police to do that. But when, you know, white nationalist groups that kill, you know, 100 people a year or whatever, who literally are like the largest terrorist organizations in America, when the police treat them with kid gloves, it teaches people, no, those groups must be okay. Like they must, you know, they must not be that bad, right? Because why would the police, yeah, turn their backs to them and face Black Lives Matter? That must be where the threat's from. So it speaks to this sort of soft propaganda that the police do just through their actions right not even consciously but just through their actions and their sympathies well at some level i think you know what we know from decades and certainly from the last few months is that you know all riots are actually started by police i think we do know they must they must know and have must have always known on some level that that is like a a tactic that by creating a violent situation the the, mm-hmm. the media and a lot of society is primed to view that as uh, to fill the gaps in in their head and say, oh, well, if the cops had to do that, it must have been because it was necessary, you know? And I, I mean, again, because I have a family, I know you can be that stupid and ignorant. <laughs> There's a saying that goes um, in news, if it leads, it leads. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I know that if there's violence, if people are getting arrested in mass, if there's chaos it's going to leave in news it's going to blow up that's what people are going to see and the problem then is magnified um, when we don't have news that can critically pick apart that that can say Mm -hmm. okay here's what actually happened and actually do the investigative research a lot of times there will be you know police will come in and start tearing things up and it becomes a riot 
um, phone crews will get it. It'll, it'll be all over local news. And then there won't be any investigative follow-up. It'll just be reading off of what the police happened to say, you know, their, what their statement was mm-hmm. today. There's not really a lot of investigative journalism being done, um, which is unfortunate. Um, it really is. It's It makes it harder to get, you know, the narrative of what actually is happening out there and not just what the police are saying is happening. Um, for instance, Q13, um, Cairo News and Como have been pretty terrible on this lately of just running with whatever the police say and not doing any kind of follow-up or any kind of investigation, you know, to mm-hmm. see, you know, what is actually the truth behind it, what really happened that day. There's people that are saying, otherwise, let's talk to them, let's find out, you know, what the real story is. A lot of that is being done by, you know, activists or organizers or community folks, community leaders, or, you know, people like me who typically um, on our normal day job are not journalists, but we're doing this work and we're relaying this information out because it's not being done. Well, uh, you know, that's the kind of uh, work that, yeah, so many activists out there are doing, like yourself, online in various places that uh, gives us uh, stuff to talk about on this show. Um, and, you know, we certainly appreciate that. Uh, Alicia, is there anything else you want to sum up with about um, sort of your feelings about what's uh, the state of the movement here in Seattle? Um, I'm really hopeful that, I mean, it's terrifying to watch all this happen. It's, I mean, I've, I've been there when the police and National Guard are charging at you, and it's one of the most terrifying things I've ever experienced. But at the same time, as strange as it sounds, it's also hopeful, because next to you are also, you know, moms, um, elderly people in your community, people are also coming out and fighting this fight, you know, on the front lines who we typically haven't seen at protests before. And while I'm really terrified of, you know, the SPD's actions and people getting hurt, I'm actually um, hopeful that so many people are joining the movement for the first time and are seeing the problems that exist that we've just never fixed. That I'm hopeful that this is the start to actual real change going forward, which to me makes those risks worth taking. Yeah. Very good. Definitely. Uh, uh, that, yeah, I also am hopeful. I think we try to, uh, we've tried to remain hopeful about, uh, all of this here on Seattle sucks. Uh, Alicia Ramirez, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, and Emerald. Yeah, it's really great being able to uh, put on the same, uh, you know, the same podcast. Uh, what mu- two people who must be among Seattle's two biggest cop nerds, um, based on just uh, <laughs> the article and what you said tonight. I mean, how many other people in this town have actually read uh, Law Enforcement Today or whatever uh, outside of Alicia and Brian? Um, I don't know. Like, I read it by accident. To be honest, I read it by accident. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, you were dropping a lot of facts and knowledge about the history of policing and SPD that I've only ever heard out of the mouth of Brian Platt. Um, so... Uh, 
glad we could have you on here. This is basically, uh, especially since Brian joined the podcast now, whatever, two years ago, I don't know, uh, basically been a cop podcast half the time. And I'm glad we can keep that going with another uh, uh, activist who knows a lot about cops. So thank you so much for doing this. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, (laughs) we definitely love to have you back to talk about police or anything else you'd want to talk about <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely in a better world <laughs> uh maybe someday we'll we'll stop talking about police on the show yeah i'll be doing more articles for the emerald i plan on um there's a contract that's coming up december which will um that's really going to be the method by which we change yes. all this crap behavior mm-hmm. um so i plan on doing several articles between now and then um to kind of get the public discourse going and um really um get people thinking about this in big picture terms awesome okay that's great that's right yes so in the south seattle emerald which again is putting out a lot of great stuff um alicia ramirez uh will have an ongoing column and uh we've just heard it here it's gonna be about cops (laughs) so um (laughs) yes uh yeah that will be a big uh deal the uh contract negotiation for sure so um cool thank you again so much um everybody uh we'll link to all that um and thanks for listening thanks again to alicia uh for talking to us um that was awesome uh yeah guys uh great uh great week <laughs> good times uh we'll make sure to link in the show notes to alicia's article make sure that you go check it out and you read it yeah colin i wish you could have been here uh with me at brian and Bryn's house where uh, as we record this, because um, you know they've been stoked about their air conditioning all summer. That's kept a flex. The, kept the house nice and cool. <laughs> no, they absolutely. Now that the weather has turned, they're really excited. Now they can get the the internal temperature of their home down to fifty degrees <laughs> where they really want it. That's and that's a true so, Texan household. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they're pretty, they're pretty stoked, and we're just, we're fucking loving it over here. Yeah. To be fair, uh, Greg's not wrong. We do want it to be fifty degrees, <laughs> but I think we actually have it on a fan right now. So once it got, once it all of a sudden got cold outside because we blotted out the sun with man's hubris, <laughs> um, we, uh, I, I initially turned the AC off. But the AC is actually kind of doing a job of like filtering the air from the outside a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's actually making it a little nicer in here, just running the fan, just like running the air through it. I don't know if there's any science behind that or if I'm just well, totally... Presumably it has a filter. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't know if this is... Uh, but, you know, it, it's making it a little nicer in here, I'll say that. Although I still wake up with the the scratchy throat and all and the cough and all that shit that everybody else is. But maybe it's COVID, though, too, because there's also a pandemic still. Cool. Oh, is there? <laughs> I'd forgotten. <laughs> yeah, well, pick, your, pick your disaster, right? <laughs> in some good news for us, we have some new patrons that we we should thank. Uh, BP, thank you. Sydney Rose, thank you. Megan Rabone, thank you. Teresa Gilbert, thank you. Chase Bratton, thank you. Yeah, um, BP, giving us Welcome. some of that oil money. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> they were core <laughs> ordered to do it, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not you that big of a deal. at least one small local podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you. If you want to be cool like them, uh, go sign up on Patreon and hear our hundreds of private 
secret mm-hmm. episodes that are in yes. the vault. This yeah. week, your Patreon dollars paid for the pizza and beer Brian and I are consuming. <laughs> a parking ticket I got while uh, going down to a sweep. Uh, uh, was there something else? We donated money for uh, N95 masks for the homeless as well. Okay, great. We actually spend most of it on donations to uh, bail That's funds not a promise. primarily. That's not a promise. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I don't know if most over the history of everything, but. Yeah, because I I need to use the rest for my like futurist joke rock band called We Were Promised Oxygen. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hell yeah, cool. (laughs) All right, well, thank you everybody for listening, and uh, I guess we'll see you next time, huh? Yeah, well, check catch us on the Patreon app. All right, all right, bye. bye.